We welcome you to our Sunday service once again online. Isn't it wonderful to do church this way? Just to come together and have a wonderful, wonderful time to worship God. Everything is coming together for the glory of God. And uh, we pray that uh, for all of you who are joining us online, our regulars, and those who have been invited and now you are able to join us, we pray that you will be blessed even as uh, we are hearing the word of God. We particularly want to welcome those of you who are joining us for the very, very, very first time. We love you. We may not be able to connect physically with you, but know that we are praying for you. We are thinking about you. We are with you. And uh, this morning we pray that the Lord will bless you and encourage you. Today is our last day of uh, or, or our no, tomorrow is our, our last, is it today or to, it's today is our last day of uh, prayer and fasting for the last uh, seven days. And I called this prayer because uh, this is what God has called us uh, to do. And I want to thank you, each and every one of you who heeded this call and you have been in prayer. We want to thank God because we know that we don't pray in vain. When we pray, he hears us. And we know that he has given us the assurance that he will respond to that prayer. We had a wonderful, wonderful time when we thought of our nation and indeed the world at the crossroad. And we realized that God is calling us to go back you know, if you come to a cross-section of roads and you take the wrong turn, you have to come back to the crossroads where you lost your way so that you can be able to find the right way. And this is where God is calling us to turn back to, to go back to the crossroads. And this is why we chose to have seven days to pray and to fast and ask God if there be anything in our life if there is anything that, Lord God, we have done, Lord, we come back in repentance, we come back in total humility and surrender and ask you, would you walk with us in the right paths once again? And so we believe that the prayers that we have raised to God, they have reached him because he has given us the permission to call on to his name. He says, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you have not known. And this is what our God has done for us. So welcome to this morning's sermon titled, When God changed his mind. Why are we talking about God changing his mind? Because he tells us in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14 that if my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves, 
if they would humble themselves and repent of their sins and call unto me, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So Christians, this is what God has called us to do. Not just to repent our own sins, but the sins of our families and the sins of the community where we are in. We belong to a body, a one body of believers that God has given us this mandate. And so we committed ourselves to these last seven days of prayer and fasting, which we had today to plead with God to spare the nations of the world and remove the current pandemic that has hit us in such a big way and heal us once again. And this is anchored on the word of God. It is anchored on the word that we shared, that God is looking for a man, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. Because these are his promises, we can hold God to his word. That when we call unto him, he will answer. But today, we look at a situation where we feel that we have pleaded with God, that we have beseeched God. We look at a situation where we know that this is lifted off us. Hallelujah. We know that God has given us this weapon of prayer. And this is what we have exercised. We have called unto him because he has taught us to pray. And when we pray, the Bible says that God relents. Hallelujah. So we are looking at how can we cause God change his mind. Has God ever changed his mind? I want us to look at a man who stood between his people and the wrath of God. And this man is called Moses. In the book of Exodus chapter 32, we find Moses and Joshua, they were with God at Mount Sinai. But I want to give you a little background of how that had developed. In the earlier chapters, God had summoned his people and he had told them, come and see my glory. And the Bible says that the glory of God was so much that they could not even be able to come near the foot of Mount Sinai. And so they stayed afar. And other than Moses and Joshua and a few elders who could come near there, the glory of God was so much. And so the Bible speaks of this encounter where God had enveloped the mountain. And this is where God spoke. And he spoke to the children of Israel. And he reminded them of where they have come from. And reminded them of who he is to them. And in chapter 20 of the book of Exodus, he gave the Ten Commandments that they were to live in. So we join this story in chapter 32, where Moses and Joshua have been invited by God. And God has said, come up the mountain because I want to speak to you. And during this time, God is giving the detail of how he wants the tabernacle of God to be built. 
And so Moses had only been away, the Bible says, 40 days and 40 nights. And during that period, the children of Israel gathered around Aaron. And they said to Aaron, Come and make us gods who will go before us. As for this Pharaoh Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. Forty days, forty nights, and God has given, already has given, and he has said, these are the commandments by which you must live. Hmm. I want us to know two things here. That God had already appeared to these people. So he is not a foreign God. He had already appeared to them at the foot of the mountain. He had spoken to them from there. He has given a guideline on how they are to live. Secondly, God has not just made it clear to his people in the Ten Commandments, if you read verses 3 and 4 of Exodus 20, that they shall have no other God, neither shall they make for themselves idols in the form of anything in heaven above, all on earth beneath, all in the waters below. He had told them, in verse 22 and 23, that they were not to make any gods to be alongside God, nor make for themselves gods of silver or gold. So it is not that God has not spoken to these people, but within 40 days and nights, they were already breaking this law. So while Moses was with God up the mountain, he had no idea what was happening down there in the camp. But God being omnipresent, he already know, knew what was going on. And so here Moses is receiving instructions from God. But down in the camp, other things are happening. And God starts to speak to Moses. And the Bible says in Exodus 32, 7, then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. I want you to notice that God has already, by this language, already he has denied these people. And he starts to call them Moses' people. He is telling Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt. Now we know that it was God's people. We know that it is God who brought them out of Egypt. And the Lord continues to speak to Moses and he says, I have seen these people. Meaning I have observed them over time. I have seen these people. And he calls them stiff-necked people. And he says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Good idea, isn't it? 
I am sure if it were many of us in Moses' sure, uh, shoes, we would have told God, you know, even me, I am tired with these people. We would have said to God, good riddance, it's a headache of me. But this scripture, when you look at it critically, it seems to suggest something was going on here. Look at what God tells Moses. God tells Moses, leave me alone. It means that Moses, there was a way that he was bothering God. There was a way that Moses had come in between the people and God. And God is speaking very, very strongly here. And he is telling Moses, get out of the way. I want to be the one to confront these people. Moses was an intercessor. He was praying and intervening on behalf of the people. And he is between God and the people. You see, earlier God had said they were not to come near the foot of the mountain lest he strikes them. So Moses was the go-between the people and God. When people sin against God, when we sin against God, he is always looking for a righteous man who can avert his anger and on behalf of the people they can call on to God and tell God, would you relent? And we have seen many times in the Bible where God has relented. In the book of Genesis chapter 19 and verse 29, he did this in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And verse 29 speaks of God remembering Abraham. And because of the beseeching of Abraham, because Abraham had pleaded with God, Lot and his family were saved. When the angels came, Abraham asked, what about if they are 50? God said, I will relent. Then he said, what about if they are 45? God said, I will relent. Then Abraham asked, what about if they are 40? And God said, I will relent. Then he went on and he asked, what about if they are 30? God said, I will relent. What about if they are 20? God said, I will relent. What about if they are 10? And God said, I will relent. In the book of Amos chapter 7, if you read verse 1 to 6, Amos was given two visions of God's coming judgment. And he was shown that God was going to release locusts and heat against his people. And so he began to intercede on behalf of the people. And verse 3 and 6 show us the result that God delayed the judgment. So God does not desire the death of sinners. And that is why we must always be on our knees. 
And that is what we have been doing in the last seven days. And we have been telling God, if what we are facing, if what the world is facing, if what the church is facing is as a result of sin, forgive our sins. Book of 1 Timothy 2, 4. The book of 2 Peter 3, 9. He promises to respond to the prayers of his faithful people. He says in James 5, 16, that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And because we have prayed, I believe with all my heart that this pandemic is lifted in Jesus' name. Somebody say hallelujah. You see, God's judgments are always conditional. He is always willing to relent and to cancel his plans of judgment. If truly we repent, or if someone faithful intercedes to God, God is always willing. And our prayers this last week give the grounds or the opportunity on which to change his tethered intentions and send judgment that we deserve. In the book of Judges, chapter 2 and 18, whenever the judges came on between God and Israel, God always avoided his judgment. In the book of 1 Chronicles 21, 15, we know that David arose and he prayed. In the book of Jonah 3 and 10, we know that when people wore sackcloth and they fasted and they prayed, that God saved the, 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 the people of Nineveh. So, two things. That for as long as there is someone who is praying, God will always relent and have mercy on his people. And I have just related on how David put on his sackcloth and he saved Israel from the plague that God had released on his people. So what kind of a man causes God to change his mind? What kind of a man do we ought to be. I will give you three characteristics that I believe are characteristics of a man who can cause God to change his mind. The number one characteristic that I see is a man who desires that only the name of God should be exalted. When Moses had what God had wanted to do, the scriptures tell us that he fell on his knees to plead the case of these evil people. He did not take it that God was to, to, going to finish Israel and give Moses a new people, though this would have been the easier thing. But his heart started to bleed for the people. And he said, no. He told God, you cannot do it. Not because of the people, but because he was concerned of God's name. And verse 11 says that Moses, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. 
And he said, oh Lord, why should your anger burn against your people? When you, who you brought out of Egypt with great power and mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them out in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? Listen to the scriptures. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Hallelujah. Because Moses sought God's glory, not his own. He told God, it is your name that is at stake. And this is what we ought to always consider. That God is looking at us and he is wondering, is it about us? Is it about our comfort? Or is it because we want God to relent so that sinners can have an opportunity to come to the Lord? So that they don't die in their sins. The second character that I see of a man who can cause God to relent and to change his mind is a man who desires to see God's plan decreed. Hallelujah. And in verse 13, the scripture says that Moses uh, spoke to God. And he told God, remember your servant Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you saw by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land that I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Moses is speaking the promises of God back to God. And he was keen to see that God fulfills his promises. And I wonder, what is it? What is the promise that God has given to us? What promise has God given to you? Can we claim these promises? Can we hold God to his word? Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 41. Verse 10. It says, so do not fear, for I am with you. That is a promise that you should not fear. Why? Because I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Why? For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Hallelujah. So you can proclaim before God and say, I am saved because you have said so. You know, many times when a situation like this comes, we are gripped with fear. I have had to keep telling myself that it is the Lord, not about me. And perhaps some of you are like me. You keep on che checking which is the latest news, what has happened in this nation, what has happened to that part of the world. And as you see the numbers coming, hallelujah, as you see the numbers coming, you are filled with fear. 
Look at verse 13 of the same chapter, 41. For I am the Lord your God who takes your right hand and says to you, do not fear. Why? I will help you. Hallelujah. So God is saying, I have not gone anywhere. I am with you. God is saying that I am present in your situation. Brothers and sisters, fear is a tool of the enemy. A tool that he perfects and he knows how to use and use it quite well. And not just the situation. Look at us. Even other times, there are, there are situations that happen in our lives and we fear. I know right now there are, there, there are many of us who are fearing over their jobs, who when they hear about the recess of the economy and, and companies are closing and, and things are happening and we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, God is saying, I will help you. I want us to go to Isaiah 43 and verse 2. This is what God is saying. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Again, God is saying, I am present. And when you pass through the rivers, look at the promise of God, they will not sweep over you. Hallelujah. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. These are promises that God has given to us. The flames will not set you up, who is calling on the name of the Lord? Who is telling God, come near me because this situation has overwhelmed me because this news is too much for me. And I want to close that area with Isaiah 54, 10. That though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, Yet, my unfailing love, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant for peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is present. The Lord is with us in this situation. And so we should not fear. We rather should be encouraged and we should know that God is on our side. Check out for more promises as you interact with the word and you will see how many hundreds and hundreds of promises that God has given in his word and it will give you that affirmation that God is with us in this situation. The third characteristic that I see of a man who can cause God to change his mind is a man who desires to see God's people established. And again, when Moses heard from God about what Israel had done, we, he probably had not processed how deep Israel had gone into idol worship. And we see Moses and Joshua descending. And as they are approaching the camp, the Bible says they started to hear some music. And Moses listened and he said, that does not sound like a victory song. 
And as he approached, he then sees these people that are worshipping. And what they are worshipping is not familiar to him. Wow. The Bible says that Moses was burning with anger. I pray that it was holy anger. So he summons his brother Aaron. And he says, I want an explanation. What's going on? It's only 40 days and 40 nights. And he looks and he sees the calf. Listen to what Moses did. He took the calf. He burnt it. He ground the ashes. He sprinkled the ashes over the waters and ordered the people to drink it. What? This is an angry man. Now, this is the same man who was telling God, relent. But at that time, he had no understanding to the extent that these people had gone. And so now he comes and he sees it for himself. And somehow he seems to understand. Do you know what he did next? He says, I want an explanation. And Aaron Probably because of fear. He is here saying, you know, these people, they told me this, and they told me the other, and I told them to give me the, the silvers and the gold that they have, and I threw it into the, into the fire, and voila, a calf came out. <laughs> but we know the scriptures say that Aaron is the one with his tool. He is the one who molded this calf. And so Moses says, let those who are with God come to me. And the Levites came. And probably those people that were, were, were still with God. And he ordered them, you are to go out there this night. You will kill your friends, your brothers, and your neighbors. I don't want to see any of them. Now it is Moses who is angry. He is burning with anger. And the scriptures say that that night, 3,000 men were killed. Probably these were the ringleaders. But even with that, Moses came back to his senses. And in the morning, he came. And he gathered his senses and he gathered those people that were still with God. And he started to intercede for the sake of the leaders. I believe with the repentance and the intercession that we have had this week, there is going to be a revival. Hallelujah. There is going to be a revival. Because God has listened to us. But for the revival to happen, we must call out sin in the church for the Holy Spirit to come and take his place. Because even after this, Moses went back to God. He pleaded the sins of the leaders. He offered himself to be blotted out of the book of God. Seeking 
that God may re-establish his people. If that is our attitude to continue even beyond this plague, beyond this pandemic, there is going to be a revival. Because what God has brought to us is going to gather us. We are coming back to our senses and we will stop being judgmental and we are going to come back to God and tell God, would you relent because we have prayed. Men and women who will not allow God to rest until he saves his people. Hallelujah. And I pray that you are going to be counted. It is not just during this time. Will we continue to call on God beyond this? Will we, or when God removes this plague from us, which I want to believe God, it is going to be sooner than later, will we just go back the same way we were, or will we be a different people? I pray that we have learned our lesson. I pray that many of us are willing to be changed. I pray that we will look at God in a different way. Because during this time, friends, God has equalized us. This disease has hit, including palaces, great people who would have believed that the world will be equalized, who would have believed that we all will be at the same platform. No one has a solution except to call on the name of the Almighty God. I pray that God will not need to come back to us and send a plague once again for us. And I pray that we will look at the things that we have done as individuals, as families, as communities, as a nation, as a world, and we say, where is it? Which tower of Babel is this that we have been building that God wants to bring down? As a nation, I've been looking at what is happening in the world, and I have realized how unprepared we are. Friends, God forbid, if we start losing our medical staff, we will have no alternative. Because even, even, even our health care, cannot even be able to support a quarter of the population if we were to be hit by this pandemic the way it has hit some parts of the world. And I pray that our leaders will come alive in this situation. And I pray that all of us will realize that we are living dangerously so that we can move away from sin and start caring for, 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 for the people. For once, all of us equalized. We are looking at the same health care. There is no one who can be taken anywhere. Even the world out there does not have a solution. It doesn't matter your rank. If you get sick today, you will go to the same doctor as everyone is going to. Hallelujah. God 
wants to teach us something. I pray that the church, the Lord Jesus Christ will not come down like Moses came and he found the people, they were worshipping other gods, like Moses came and Moses found the people had forgotten about God and, and, and they were worshipping other things. I pray that we will not be found like Aaron who compromised with the people because we have failed to tell people the truth. We have failed to teach people the truth. We have failed to reveal the true word of God. We have failed to tell people to break away from sin and to seek righteousness. We have sought in the comfort of the things of this world. And I pray that as a church, we will wake up and we will not be held to account and we will not be giving excuses because we have not done what we ought to have done. I want to conclude with Psalm 85 and verse 6. The scriptures say, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? May we ask God to bring us back to a spirit-filled life. May God revive us as individuals. May God revive us in our families. May God revive the church. May God revive our nation. Hallelujah. But I want you to remember that your revival starts by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. A man called Nicodemus, he went to Jesus at night in the book of John chapter 3 and verse 3. And he sought to know how can he find the kingdom of God. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to this man. He told him, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And I hope you have been searching your heart because I know that the Holy Spirit of God has been seeking you throughout this time. What has been resonating in you? You have been a churchgoer. You call yourself a Christian. Perhaps because you go to church, because you're tight, because you hang around Christians. But Jesus is saying, I want you to be born again. Hang out with me. That's the only way that you will receive the eternal kingdom of God. So I'm calling on you this morning to make the wise decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ today as your Savior. This is my plea for you. Would you pray with me? You're hearing my voice. And you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he is compelling you. And he is telling you, you need to turn to me. You are hearing the Lord Jesus speak to you now. 
and he is telling you this prayer is for you or maybe you have walked away from God and God is saying it is time for you to come back because there is no time because the next time that I, I am here it is going to be a different story because I have given you this opportunity I plead with you would you turn to Jesus make a wise decision I'm going to make this prayer right now and if you're there and you're saying, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I hear the voice of your servants calling on me. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit pleading with me to renounce my sin. And now today I make this decision. I renounce my sins. I confess them before you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to write my name in the book of life. And from today, I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am born again because you have given me this opportunity. And when you return, I will be called your child because I have made this choice in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is a faithful God. I want to encourage you, if you have made this decision, would you please let us know. You can inbox us. There is a place there that you can click and raise your hand, and we will get in touch with you because we would like to engage you so that you can grow in Christ. May the Lord bless you in your new walk with God. Hallelujah.